Champions Mojo is part of the CG Sports Network. Having a really good understanding and grasp of, of why you're putting yourself through all this is important. And checking in on that every once in a while is very important. It's really important to check in on that, particularly before you put yourself in a stressful place. Welcome to the award-winning Champions Mojo, hosted by two world record-holding athletes and health, life, and leadership coaches. Be inspired as you listen to Conversations with Champions. And now, your hosts, Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Champions Mojo podcast. And as usual, I am co-hosting with Maria Parker. Hey, Maria. Hi, Kelly. Good to be here today. Yes, it's a big one for us. Somebody we've been trying to get on the show for, a, I think, about a year. And we were going to give him a little bit more of an introduction in a minute. But first, we got to say hi to Aaron, who's sitting there. Hey, Aaron. Hey, everybody. So um, good to be here. Yeah, we, glad we to are have you. thrilled. Yes. Yeah. So um, we have as our guest today, Aaron Pearsall. He's an Olympic legend in so many people's minds, a three-time Olympian, seven-time Olympic medalist, five of those medals are gold. Um, what else uh, do you have for us about Aaron, Maria? Well, even though Aaron's been retired from swimming for a decade, he is impressively still the current world record holder in the long course 200-meter backstroke. And since getting away from the pool, he's been involved in many different activities, including helping charities that fight for the preservations of our oceans. But let's hear from the man himself. Aaron, welcome to Champions Mojo. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. Yes. So I, I was going to say this, you know, before we started recording and Aaron, I, I, you know, as a swimmer and Maria's, you know, I don't know if you know, she's, she's a world-class world record holder. I don't care about swimming, but even I know about you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She, she even knows about you, but as a swimmer myself and uh, a 200 meter backstroker, sometimes I am just fangirling. I mean, like, it's just amazing. You you have not lost any of your luster for me and it's just really, really exciting to have you with us today. So Normally, did you know that it's bad podcast etiquette to ask your guests, what have you been up to lately? That is not like they say that is a question that a lot of listeners are bored with. But Uh Maria and I decided before you got on that we really feel like listeners will want to know the answer to that question. So where are you? What are you doing? Give us like a Aaron Pearsall update. Yeah, this is not my living room. (laughs) I don't have a huge mirror. In my <laughs> um, but now I, I am in Waikiki this weekend. Today, my girlfriend is working on a shoot. And so we're having a uh, weekend in town, so to speak. And we live up on the northern end of the island of Oahu. So this is kind of for a couple of days, a bit of, of where we're at and been lovely. So we woke up this morning. We're a bit behind you guys with time. It's beautiful out, as you guys can imagine. The hustle bustle of Honolulu and Waikiki is kind of down below, and that's kind of fun. And yeah, we've, we've been on the road, actually, for the last two and a half weeks. I haven't, I've slept in my bed, I think, no, zero times. In the last and your bed is, a, you said, in the North Shore of... It's on the North Shore, and, and but, uh, we've been all over the place. We just did a little tour of, we, I went to Austin, visited some friends, went to Florida for my my grandmother's oh. funeral it was an adventure and a beautiful thing. And we, we ended up in California and came back. So good to be back. And 
had this all squared away and wanted a huge mirror behind me for the podcast. <laughs> you seem you seem Down embarrassed right by that. Why why does that embarrass you? I'm not embarrassed. No, no, no not at all. What it is, you know, that's like, yeah. no. Well, you're known for your no. sort of uh, humility and stuff. So maybe you don't want people to have the idea that you like to look at yourself in a mirror. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You yeah. Yeah. No, you have you rumpled beautifully. Yes, yes, yes. Just yeah. as we would expect. Yes. It's 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 the laid back attitude. And that's kind of one of the things that we wanted to talk with you about is is that you you have been known for having a laid back attitude, just like that was some of that was one of my favorite things about watching you swim in three Olympics was here's a guy that's coming out onto the world stage and just, you know, I think you were famous for not even putting on your cap and goggles until like the last minute. So, you know, Hey, if your goggle strap breaks or your cap busts open. Um, so tell us a little bit about laid back Aaron and how that served you or didn't serve you in both your swimming and later in life. Sure, Kelly. And, and let me preface too, just saying, I think it's great. You guys are highlighting so much of the world of sport and in the way that you guys are and um, highlighting the things that you guys, you ladies are. And, and so pleasure to be on the show. I know I've said that already, but at least acknowledging your contributions. That is so nice. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. You're I the only you're the one to ever do that. Yeah. Sure. And, and I know you guys have been trying to get me on the podcast for, for quite some time. And I, I, I've just been completely on the move. And, and so locking me down has been difficult. And so I appreciate your patience. And with regards to, well, sure, I, I, I always found that interesting if there was a, a perception of, of me being somewhat laid back. And I understand where that came from. I, I think I was able to internalize my attention fairly well. Do you mean and, hide? Um, um, I mean, compartmentalize or even kind of be able to put it in a certain place where it wasn't necessarily like dictating my okay. actions maybe, or, or, you know, overwhelming anything I was doing. Yeah. I always found that interesting sometimes, particularly at, during the times when I was uh, slightly tense or anxious or nervous for a race, people were like, you look so calm. And I'm like, you don't even know what you're looking at. <laughs> But I get it, and I, I kind of was able to navigate that. And so much of what competing is about is, is um, what one thing that I feel like, at least within my career and watching others do this, is one of the hardest things is just being able to get out of your own head and get out of your own way. Everyone's very physically capable at a certain point. So the, the ability just to kind of let that step digest and process through everyone's going to feel those things so and there's a lot that's out of our control and being able to understand that most of it is mm. and accept that in those situations and easier said than done in intense situations I, I I would have rather been known for being a bit more laid back and being certainly a bit more uptight and, uh, and so I, I, I take that as a nice um, I'm glad I at least exhibited something of that. How nature. has that served you in your life since that ability to say, you know what, not everything's in my control and I'm not going to worry about those things that aren't. Well, I mean, it's again, like mm. it's easier said than done. Right. And I think, I think when you, I think when you're, when you're comfortable with how prepared mm. you are, you can take those 
you, you can absorb certain things that are, that are coming that are just simply out of your control. And, and preparation is a big part of that, especially when you're doing something like preparing for some one big particular specific event that only lasts for a minute or two. But, you know, with, re with regards to the rest of life, I think, and, it, and sometimes it's just a sensibility. I, I don't know. If, I think some people do have more of a propensity for that in general, maybe something developed to some degree, but I've just always noticed for myself personally, when things get tense, I can usually, I'm able to kind of sit back and be more of an observer as opposed to feeling like I need to engage, which is nice. And, and so it's something that I've tried to relay and, and kind of pass down to, you know, the sport through various ways myself is just in certain ways to approach tense situations or competition or anything like that is to not forget to sit back and actually watch and observe what's going on and, and kind of navigate it more from an observer standpoint as opposed to a, I don't know, just to kind of throw yourself in and hope for the best kind of thing, if that makes any sense. Goggles are going to break, caps will rip, um, suits will fall off and that's part of that, the, the, it's, you know, sport again, it, it, if we get into it and, and to break it down for me in the simplest way is it's to, it's to kind of throw yourself into situations where things will go wrong. And, you, and then you get to the worst that can happen is maybe you don't win. It's a really inconsequential way to, to learn and to fail and to mess up. <laughs> and uh and to grow and so you, you're kind of growing your character in those moments hopefully and i think it's important i've tried to maintain that maybe the most important thing we're growing through something like sport which has been around for us like part of our educational curriculum in the west for thousands of years is to um grow our character in tense situations and amongst people amongst each other and working together in tense situations and trying not to lose your heads. And uh, that's, uh, and when you break it down, really, that's kind of for me what it is. It's, uh, you know, can you, and then it's a great metaphor for life, love, where things are a bit more consequential. So, Aaron, you, you, you sound rather reflective. And I wonder if you have reflected how deeply on just what an icon you are in swimming, like in the swimming world, your legend and your, what you accomplished, the fact that you even still hold a world record, you know, a decade later is truly, it's actually 12 years later, 11 years later, um, is pretty astonishing. I mean, it's probably one of the oldest world records on the books. And I feel like maybe you're so humble, you don't even you don't even know what you mean. And not just in we've, you know, we've had a lot of Olympians. We've had a lot of Olympic gold medalists. We've had a lot of Olympic coaches, but you're part of that. Um, the legacy of men's backstroke that in the U S where I don't think we've lost a U.S. backstroke gold medal in, I don't know how many Olympics, but it's many, many, many. So you're, you're kind of like almost like a founding pillar of, of men's backstroke dominance for the U S. And so I think that's part of the reason why people, you know, any backstroker we talk to, you know, Aaron Pearsall's like, like you're the Michael Phelps of backstroke. So 
what are your thoughts on what your legacy means to the sport and, and you, and, and just, you know, I don't even know if you, you know, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on that. Okay. Sure. Kelly. I think, uh, well, I, I, I think I do try, I, I, I certainly don't exist my day-to-day life, you know, thinking about my legendary <laughs> status within the world of swimming, so to speak. And I, I, but I, 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 um, I think I do understand the gravity of, of what my accolades have, where, you know, what they are. And, and I do, I, I have a full grasp on that. And, and, um, and I'm very proud of those. And I, and I think, I think what it is, 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 uh, I, uh, there are things that I'm, I'm, I treasure within that world that are integral to, to the way that I view what it was that was so important to, to my career. And it's also just, it's more of the community and the culture of what it, what it was. And there's a vast history of, of, um, of what it is for me to be a part of. And so I'm very proud of this, uh, this, I don't know if you want to call it a lineage, but it's just, you know, the, the sport itself, um, within say the Olympic movement goes back well over a hundred years. And I don't necessarily look back to the last 25 years of what our legacy is. I look back further than that myself. And I'm very, very proud to be kind of associated with this other wider view of what this community of, of sport and within the water is. And, and so for me, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of, my legacy within the sport, within the modern version of what it is. And my sensibility even kind of goes broader and bigger to a broader sense of what I consider the sport of swimming and water sports to be too. And, um, and so it's bigger for me, it expands into a lifestyle kind of thing. And, you know, there, there were people that I looked up to when I was younger that a lot of people within the world of swimming don't know. And, um, a lot of them were, were very good in, in the ocean. And to me, what it was, was, um, and then there were very many people who kind of sparked the, the, the sport and the culture of swimming who existed a long time ago, who that's, that was kind of their genesis and where they came from. And, and to me, the, the world of swimming is very grand and, and big. Um, it can be taken out of the Clorox bottle of the pool, so to speak. <laughs> and so I am very proud of, of my accolades. And I, and I try to, I think what it is for me is I, I try to, to, when I, especially when I speak to kids, adults too, but kids mostly is, is to kind of give the, the children as much of a, a broader scope of what um, the sport or sport in general or or doing something, spending so much time in the water as we do, giving that the, the greatest kind of uh, justice that I can, I guess. I, I am, um, yeah, I know. I, I grew up. I was watching. I, I, I was a big uh, reader of the record books, and I knew that when someone held a record for ten years, that you know was impressive to me. And so it is. I, I, but I, I, I don't. I'm really careful not to to let that 
get to me too much, but I'm very proud of, of what I've done. I don't talk about it very much, but, but that's, it's a, it's, it's a very personal thing. And so it's very nice to, to keep it personal and sacred. I'd actually think to some degree. And, uh, and so that's part of what it is, is it's to me, it's not really about the record. It's great. It's fine. I'm very proud of that, but it's not really about the medals and those are great. Um, they're wonderful things, but I'm, I'm very, I think one of the things I'm probably more proud about than anything is just the fact that I maintained a certain perspective through my career and, and I still kind of live by that to some degree as best I can. And, uh, and so that to me is very nice. And I like going back to the sport and sharing that. I, I love the word so. sacred with the, it, and it's one of the stronger words you've used with in terms of water and swimming and, mm. you know, all the sort of globalization that you've, you know, put with, you know, around, you know, so you've got your record and what do you call the Clorox? <laughs> um but, but you're trying, it sounds like you're, you know, you're expanding, you have a, a water thing. I mean, you love water. I, we read that your dad was a captain, like a boat captain. My sailor. dad's a okay. sailor. Yes. And, and we just, we actually just put my grandmother in the ground um, about a week and a half ago. And she was, is, was, is a yeah. mermaid, literally. She was this uh, kind of fun to actually even talk about her sure. for just a second, but she Love was a, uh, a wiki watching in Florida back in, uh, I want to say it was like the, what would it have been, 40s or 50s, I guess. And wiki watchies were, it was a pretty risque thing at the time, but it was basically a uh, synchronized swimmer, kind of a risque. <laughs> of a rocket in the water. And, and she was, and, but also like very capable in the water. And she'd be the first one every day to just be like, wake up and she'd be like, I want to go to the beach let's go to the beach. And, and she instilled that into my dad and my dad's lived a very interesting kind of, uh, uh, spiritual life on the water. And, and my mother has swum every day herself since she was in her early twenties. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a really interesting thing. It runs very deep in the family. So, and it, and it's, and the pool is like a kind of this neat, interesting, narrow way to express that. And it, and it, and it is, it took us all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so is, do you think this is something that everybody place. needs this connection to the water and the ocean and swimming, or is it just something that runs in your family? Good question. I think, um, I think the sport, uh, I think, I think one of the biggest things that, um, sport in general can use is, is, uh, an idea of, of this kind of ability to apply, or to be somewhat functional or practical with it. Like I can, I can, I, I'm a good swimmer, so I can put myself on a paddleboard and cross a channel. And if my, if my paddleboard sinks or flies away or whatever, it's okay. I can swim to shore kind of thing. There's like a functional nature to it, but you're also in that sense, you're being challenged. It's like you're actually, you don't put yourself in that situation lightly, but what I mean is it's a, uh, it, it allows you to explore the world in a, in a richer way. And, um, and it's a way for it to evolve as you grow through life. I, I mean, I, I knew it, I knew I, I wasn't going to be able to compete in a pool competitively like that 
forever. Like it's physically unsustainable. My body would fall apart. So at, at some point I had to be like, okay, I need to take a step back and refocus my energy um, where I put my attention, but it didn't mean I was going to leave, you know, what I was doing with the water. When's the last time you were in the water in the uh, ocean? Uh, last night was going to get in yeah. this morning. We were going to go surfing this morning. We'll, we'll get in the water today. Most, most every day, somehow, some way. And, and I, and I, I think uh, what that is, is, is for me is with relation to the sport of swimming is, and I, I think particularly because I think a lot of swimmers are going to listen to this podcast is, is we know a lot of people who let's say finish college or finish swimming and they don't really like it for a while. You know, it's a very overwhelming kind of activity. I think, I think sport, when you really, when you do it young, you do it for a long time, uh, very intensely, it, it's, it's, well, it's intense. I know I've had a lot of friends who, when they were done with swimming or sport in general, they were like, I don't want to touch this for a while. And I think that's the wrong kind of, that's not what we should be shooting for. You know, I mean, this needs to evolve and you need to know how, how it can evolve and where it can evolve too. And um, I think that's part of the responsibility of, of the sport, um, of the people in the sport, of, you know, the patrons and the coaches and, and everything else. And, and, and I, there's a rich history of that within swimming. As, there, as there's a rich history of that within almost every sport, within cycling and everything else. I mean, within cycling, you probably turn to the people who rode just to get up into the mountains and, and go for days and days and days and days. It was a way to travel and move, and it was a way to see the countryside. And, and uh, At the perfect speed, 13 miles an hour. It's the best way to see anything. Yeah, right. And there was like probably a, a functionality to it um, that made it very – you can – it made it pleasurable. And so it's important to remain, to keep that in, inside. And one of the beautiful things about being able to swim well is, is you can go and explore. I mean, most of this world is water. So there's lots to do. And so it's just kind of having that understanding to put that, to juxtapose that. A lot of people I swam with on the national team who are afraid to get in the ocean. And I was like, what's wrong with you? And I, and I understood that though, um, in the sense of, but I, but I also, what I, what I thought was this needs to change. Like that's, there's a, there's a disconnect there. So, so do you have um, concrete advice? I know you're so philosophical for a person who's approaching, <laughs> approaching the to. end of their swimming yeah. career. Uh, you love, you love the water. I do too. I, you know, you love the water. I'm not a swimmer, but I love the water. And um, so, you know, somebody's reaching the end of their college career or whatever, and you're, you're saying, you know, we gotta, we gotta stay with it. So what's your concrete advice to that to that person you know there's whether it's in lakes or rivers or you know I, I i smelled like chlorine for for years after i was done with swimming and a lot of people love that smell and you keep doing it and a lot of people still love to to do that and so everyone's got their own way of finding their little love within it but that's a great question and i think it's a matter of of understanding that there's still lots to explore like it doesn't have to stop when your competitive career stops, you know, I mean, youth sport should, should um, act as a launching pad with regards to 
what it, how you're going to go and live your life through your building of character and your integrity and, and how you compose yourself in stressful situations and things like that, but also in a way where you get to explore the world physically and we're very physical people and it's, and uh, you know, if we're doing it for experiencing those kinds of things and, and there's, there's ways for people like us to go and explore those, the world physically. It might mean you have to travel, you know, it might mean you need to go somewhere to do that, but it's just to understand that that exists and that there are people doing that, I think is, is, uh, is something to acknowledge and that there's a rich history of that within the sport of swimming itself, rich, 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 rich history. And, uh, and I can attest to that. And I, I consider myself a part of that. And so like, I, I, I'm proud to, I'm proud to be part of that as much as I am proud to have the, the accolades I think I have within the sport of swimming. So I, I'd love to draw attention to that because I believe that's a really rich part of what we have within our sport. And, and it's like when you, if I can give an example, when, when you go into the International Swimming Hall of Fame, swimming and diving and, and all aquatic sports, water polo and, and um, synchronized swimming is in Fort Lauderdale. And I'm actually on the board of that um, Hall of Fame and was always inspired by it when I was young and, and uh, for various reasons, but the history is, is deep. And there's this one little thing and it's in the back. It's not so little and it's hanging on the rafters and it's not even out front. No one who walks through there would even really know what it is. And I just looked up and I'm like, wow, is that what I think it is? And it was this old wooden board shaped in like the 1930s. Someone had donated, I don't know, way back when. And um, in any way, what it was, was this, it was a, it, for me, it, it, it was a way of, of bridging a bunch of gaps with of the way that I view the world of swimming, but that don't necessarily exist now. And so um, those, those, those lineages or those, uh, those connections, I guess, they, they do exist. And, and I grew up around those people and try to remind my friends occasionally or people I'm around that that exists, I guess. So, you know, we, we like to ask what made you successful? And I think you have just answered it in watching you swim. And I've, you know, watched many of your races many times. And my husband is a Southern Californian surfer from super young California state lifeguard for 10 years. He, when he, when he went through his lifeguard tests, he said there were 18 foot waves and the NCAA champion and the 1500 free was in his lifeguard class. And that guy, that guy washed out. He didn't, he didn't make it through the waves right. and, and my husband did. And, and so when my husband, Mark, and I watched you swim, Mark would say, I just feel Aaron's surferness, his connection to the water. And mm-hmm. so we just interviewed Michael Andrew, That's what I was thinking. Yeah. who is, who has the same sacred connection to the ocean. And during the pandemic, Michael did not swim. He surfed. Right. And now, you know what he just did this past weekend? I think he posted three number one U.S. times going into the Olympic trials. Right. So I, I feel like this question, I just want you to frame, obviously, any way you want it. But if if you're talking to Olympic hopefuls, everyone's looking for that one advantage. Can you kind of address 
what advice you would give to people going into Olympic trials right now that are a little scared, both on your, your pressure, the way you handle pressure, but also maybe connecting to the water, the Aaron Pearsall pre Olympic trials advice. Well, shoot. Those, uh, yeah, they, they could probably be melded. And, um, that's an interesting question. I saw Michael Andrews actually out here on, you know, on the Island, maybe about yeah. a month ago. And that was fun. And we, we got to, we got to swim around and body surf for about an hour or so up on the North shore. And, and, and I could tell he was uh, taken by the ocean in that way. And, and so it was nice to see, see when that happens to someone like a swimmer, particularly who's someone who's very good, it's humbling. And you can be like the best person in the world. And I've seen this with friends of mine who have been out in the water on certain days and uh, in the big water on certain days. And it's humbling for them because now the water's moving and they're not, it's not just some still body of water. All of a sudden they realize there's another dynamic going on and there's things that are going on that are really making them uncomfortable. They might be really good and comfortable in a pool, but all of a sudden they move one way and they don't move. They move another way and they don't move. And they have to, they, they don't understand that that um that the water is much stronger than they are and they have to learn how to work within it and and there's a nice um lesson in humility in that particularly for somebody who is such a good swimmer who is used to the pool so it's understanding what how water works and how water moves and you don't really know it until you're in a moving body of water consistently and particularly in dynamics which even stress your abilities and you think you're a really good swimmer and all of a sudden you're being thrown around by a lot of water and you're going, wow, I'm not in control of this situation. You got to remind yourself how to relax and let it go. And, and then you realize it's, you're playing and there's a beauty in that. And so what the ocean or what something like that, and maybe like nature in general can teach you is that, you know, you, you can learn how to work and play within it. And within its little rules, it's got its own rules and you can't change that. And, um, and it'll hold you accountable if you, if you need it. <laughs> so I would, well, I, I think too, for a lot of, for a lot of the athletes going into trials this summer, I think one of the nicest things to, to know going into such a stressful summer it is one of the hardest things to do. And again, I think going back to what I felt like was one of the more important things in sport was to, to maintain a perspective. And what I mean by that, particularly when going into such a stressful summer, it's to understand that, uh, you know, you can ask yourself a very simple question and, and you might be surprised by the answer, but, you know, you say like a swimmer or a cyclist, you know, like, why do you swim? Why do you cycle? And, you know, I've always been interested by the answers, but having a really good understanding and grasp of, of why you're putting yourself through all this is important. And checking in on that every once in a while is very important. It's really important to check in on that, particularly before you put yourself in a stressful place. So what I mean by that is like, you know, you, you know, you ask yourself why you swim and for a lot of, or cycle or whatever. And you, you know, you ask a lot of athletes who have done this since they were young, why they do it. And they, they, you know, a lot of the answers I remember seeing you know, getting would be something along the lines of like, well, cause I love to compete or I love to 
win or go fast or whatever it is. And, um, but I'm less interested in those answers. And, and occasionally a kid would raise their hand and be like, well, it's all I've ever done. Like, thank you for being honest, you know, or it's like, uh, well, it's, uh, um, because I'm good at it. That's why I do it. You know, like, okay, good, you know, good, honest answer, you know, and, and, um, um, because my parents threw me in it, <laughs> That's even more honest. you know, like that kind of thing. Right. And those are good, honest answers, right? Like that's the kinds of things you, it's good to acknowledge that stuff because then you can start telling yourself, then you can start actually taking ownership of your own little journey. And it's like, well, why am I putting myself through all of this? You know, it's very stressful and, um, and, and very hard on the body physically and mentally. So, you know, it, it needs to be for something a bit deeper, a bit more visceral. So it needs to be for some kind of, I think it needs to be for some kind of spiritual thing. I, I don't know that it, it can really, I think if, you, if, if it's all technical, it's pretty superficial and shallow. I think it needs to be somewhat, I think you need to be getting something out of it. You need to be growing through this um, as a person. So, um, you know, I think it's important to check in with that. And that's a, that can be difficult. A lot of people might find that they simply aren't enjoying it, even if they're very, very good. And, but I think it's important to, to just, um, really be honest about what it is, uh, why it is you're doing what you're doing. And a lot of times you might be going back to when you were a kid, you just like to play and have fun, you know, and not lose sight of it. And so the ocean is, it's a big part of that, you know, for me, it's just, you're going out and you're playing and you're, you're playing seriously at times, which is great kind of play. You know, there's an accountability within that, that is, uh, you learn within that too. So, um, that's a good, yeah, that's a great answer. Knowing your why. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'm it's blown hard. away. Yeah. It's gold. It's gold. I, I don't think the the height of this podcast could get any <laughs> higher than that. I feel like that that has got to be the note to end on, because to me, Aaron, this has been everything I hoped it would be. I used to call um, Sergio Lopez Miro the Yoda of swimming. And I think I'm, gonna, I'm I, I think I'm going to switch <laughs> you to the Yoda of swimming because um, this just really that answer you just gave, I, I just hope people are listening because it's phenomenal. We do ask one last question um, in case, and then we'll let you go get in the ocean. Was there anything that we didn't ask you that you would like to share with our listeners? Oh, goodness. Uh, no, not off the top of my head, Kelly. Thank you for asking. I, I, but I would just, it's, these are fun things to talk about. And there are things that I like to there are reasons that I like to stay around the sport of swimming. And so you know, I will be at trials oh, this good. summer for a few days. And that'll be a lot of fun to kind of step back onto that deck. And, and, um, but I, I think, uh, I think if anything is just to, for people who are listening to, to read about your past and the history and know where it comes from and, and there's a, there's an incredible richness in it. And there are people that lived 80, hundred years ago, which you inspire me to this day as much as anything. And, um, and so I think that, 
uh, just to, to kind of understand the world that you're in and, you know, you, you brought up this legacy of backstroke, which goes back 25 years. And for me, it goes back to, uh, this gentleman, uh, Warren K. Aloha, actually. And he was in like the late teens, early twenties, and he won the backstroke twice. Hunter backstroke twice for what it's worth. It's an interesting stat, but you, you know, you nearly have to go back a hundred years and he was a Hawaiian gentleman and Hawaiians were very good at swimming partly because they just spent their lives in the water. And there's something interesting about being on these islands, which I really appreciate is that these people have a very deep understanding of what it is to exist by the water. And it's not very myopic. It's very broad. So in, in some ways, there are places around the world that I can go to where I feel like there are, these, there are certain people that are kind of like get it. kin. And in that sense, they're kind of like our kin. I can go to like Australia and feel that or Southern California and feel that. And there's just certain cultures that are by the water. And, and I love the mountains and I, I just didn't grow up around them. So I guess my fate's been sealed to some degree. And so I... I would just say, you know, if this is the sport that you're in, um, find the whatever it is, uh, explore that rich history that exists within it. You know, I know within cycling, it goes back. Well, I guess the first bicycle would probably have been made only 130, yeah. 40 yeah. years ago, yeah. right? So, um, so if you would have had the rich history of just getting through the mountainsides and, and, uh, I can't imagine anything more lovely than exploring something like the hill country by bicycle. Uh, the so, second only to, to body surfing on a beautiful day. <laughs> sure. Sure. You know, it may be. And, uh, and there's all those kinds of things for people who climb, uh, for people who even play music, right. or do art. Um, <laughs> I love this. Um, I so he, Aaron, you're a mist, you know, I, you're a mystic. You're yeah, a, swim, a, a water mystic. I, I, I love the... <laughs> priest yoda I, I i love the the, the theology <laughs> of swimming it's silly i know but it but it's um but again i can't help but i try to acknowledge that i do feel like there's a spiritual component to spending this much time with something and so i think if 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 you are spending this much time with something let's say within this avenue of sport you better find the spiritual side of it doesn't necessarily mean it's anything but understanding that you're learning how to grow within it that's it you know and and find some connection with it and and learning that you know the more you do it the more you're going to love it the more you're also you'll be frustrated by it and you'll you know and and it it's uh but there's there's a healthy way to go through it and there's a healthy way to compete and um to understand that you know everyone that we're competing with is going after the same thing and deserves as much respect as anybody else as, as much as ourselves. And so having, you know, that, that sense of sportsmanship uh, and integrity is as important as any kind of accolade. And I, and I, so what I would say to somebody who mentions my accolades is, you know, there are a lot of people who may have done very well at what they've done, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're a good person. And so I think it's important to maintain certain kind of character throughout something that you spend that much time in. And those are the things that I think are very important to perpetuate and to pass along within the sport. 
And so for as long as I'm around, I feel like I'll try to, 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 you know, express those things. I've gotten less concerned with how fast kids go or how nice and pretty their strokes are. There are other things I'm interested in now. So, um, so, but I'll still go and watch and I love watching and uh, cheering on my team. So. Well, I, I have to say as journalists, um, you often set out to interview people. And like I said, we've, we've interviewed many, many people. And even before the podcast, I had a career as doing a lot of journalism and Mm. you set out in an interview, hoping that you're going to distill that person into a segment that, that the audience will get to appreciate. And I, I have to say, Aaron, that this is exactly (laughs) what I was hoping to get. I didn't know you. I watched you swim. My husband had a feeling about your water, you know, what a waterman you are. And then, um, but to really, to really hear this is just, it's exactly what I wanted. We didn't want to talk about, you know, uh, Facebook or who's going to win the Olympic hunter backstroke. We really wanted to get to know Aaron Pearsall and kind of what you're all about. And Hmm. I, I couldn't be more thrilled with, um, what you've given us today in this interview. Thank you. That you giving the you're giving the platform and and um, and so that's as much as anything. So my pleasure. Thank you. Well, thank you. We'll we'll uh, maybe you know someday you'll hit Florida again. And Maria's a huge oh, body I surfer. Ice. I love to surf. We can get out here, or maybe maybe my husband will drag me out to Hawaii sometime. <laughs> Wait, where are you, ladies? By the way, right now I'm you? I'm less than a mile from the ocean up in Massachusetts near Plum Island. Yeah, oh, but I spent lovely. some time in Florida, okay. um, and where near where Kelly is. Yeah, okay. and okay. yeah, and we we lived on the ocean for 15 years, direct ocean for my husband, um, Melbourne, Florida, which is sure. Orlando's closest beaches, and sure. we just just moved off because my husband's taken up golf now. So yeah, um, but we, we we love the ocean, of course, and Mark's a huge surfer, stand up paddleboarder, Southern Californian, so. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah. you can't, you can't take that out of somebody. No. Who grew up. It doesn't, it doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it's my pleasure. Thanks. for All having right. Me. Thanks, Aaron. All the best. Hope to um, see you maybe at trials. You never know. Yes. We might get out there. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank All you. Right. Thank you. It's now time for the takeaways. Maria, you and I have heard the takeaways are the best part of the show. That's right, Kelly, because the takeaways are curated information, which is what we give to our clients when we coach them. If you would like to take your performance to the next level in health, life, or leadership, go to our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. Yes, just click on our coaching page and book there. We're looking forward to bringing out the champion in you. And now, the takeaways. Okay, Maria, the takeaways from our other, we've, we've dubbed another Yoda Aaron, swimming, right? Another Yoda with Aaron Pearsall, Aaron Pearsall. Uh, yeah, I, I uh, wanted to say priest, Yoda's better, but I wanted to say he's a priest. He's a mystic. He's, you know, he's thought so deeply about it. He, he called himself a I wizard like from the woods, like right? That. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I, I want to, if, if someone's going to just listen to the takeaways, the, big takeaway was for anyone going to a, into a pressure filled situation. And if you're a swimmer going to Olympic trials or a big meet, 
and the Olympics. So there's going to be a pressure filled summer. We asked, you know, what advice do you have? And, and this was my huge takeaway. He said, when you're in that press pressure situation, ask yourself why you're there. And I just love that. And he, he gave a few examples that in his mind, you know, in, in Aaron's mind, they, were not as powerful as some others, like certainly, oh, because, you know, I have the talent or because I've worked hard or because, you know, some, you know, obviously my parents wanted me to do it or some other lesser reason. But for Aaron, his reason, his thought was that why needs to be something spiritual, something deep, you know, something that's really going to motivate you. And, you know, like we always say in coaching, it's the why beneath the why, you know, you might initially say, oh, because I've worked so hard or because I'm a great swimmer or because Mm -hmm. I have a lot of talent. I like to win because I'm Mm -hmm. a great cyclist, but, but his why was that spiritual connection to the water, his love of the water, of being in the element of really respecting that oneness that he felt with the water. He's a waterman. He's an ocean man. He so when he got in the pool, it was just like, that was a spiritual yeah. why for him. I, I loved the way he talked about his connection and his family's connection to the water. And because I could relate to it, even though I'm not a swimmer, I grew up, at, I've always been near the ocean. I've always body surfed. I'm not afraid of the ocean. I mean, I, had, I respect the ocean, but I, um, so I, I, I really, really loved the way he talked about that. And, that, and I, I, I agree. I think the hard things we've talked about this the hard things I've, I've done, the why has to be something that, you know, you wouldn't stop for, you know, when I was doing Ram, it was, of course, you know, I was trying to save people's lives from brain cancer. You know, that was my why. And, you know, that was not so spiritual, but it was bigger than me. Um, And so I think that is really important. Um, And yeah, knowing the why is going to help. And the second thing in terms of handling the pressure that I, that he said that I love, which was my takeaway was just to remind yourself, there's a lot that you're not in control of, you know, and, you know, you could, you could, you can worry about those things. You know, we talk about this a lot. Anxiety comes a lot from worrying about things that you have no control over. You know, your, your, your goggle bands might break, you know, whatever you, you, your, your suit might fall down. Who knows, you know, things can, and, and if you, so, so to remind yourself that those are things out of your control um, and remind yourself of your, the preparation that you have done coming into it should reduce the, the pressure of that situation. Yes, that, that, that's a great one to reduce pressure for anything is that right. control what right. you can control. I mean, you know, but one thing that applies to any part of life is stay yeah. in your own lane. You can't control what, you know, somebody next to you is right. doing. You can't, they may have swum the world record by 10 seconds and you may set the American record. Uh, so you just, I love that as a, as a pressure reliever that you can't control everything and don't, And there's a, there is, he said specifically, there's a lot that's out of our control, which is interesting. Yeah. There's a lot. That was the exact quote. There's a lot that's out of our control. So those there, there was, there was, there were many gems in there. And, uh, like, like I said, it's just, it it exceeded my expectations. So anyway, love you, you, Maria. Great. Another great one in the book. See you soon. Bye-bye. Alrighty. Bye. This week's quote of the week comes from Aaron Pearsall. I've always had a very natural connection to the water and that connection stems from the ocean itself. 
You've been listening to the Champions Mojo podcast with host Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. Champions Mojo is produced by Cobra Media, and a new episode debuts every Tuesday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Follow Champions Mojo on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Champions Mojo.